Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you this day that we have this privilege as believers to have in our possession your precious word. We thank you, Father, that you, by your wisdom, gave unto us, by divine revelation, the inspired, infallible word of God, and we thank you for it. Father, now as we open up its pages, we would ask that, Lord, through uh, your spirit, you would take your word and you would apply it to our hearts. That, Lord God, today we might be blessed through the ministry of the word of God. Lord, help me, I pray. Just guide me in my thoughts, my words. And may, Father, today we receive from you that which you have for us through your word. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. Let's know we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 1 and verses 8 to 17, Paul reveals to you and I that he has a great concern for the saints that are in Rome. And that's even though he's not been to Rome, even though he has not found the church at Rome, these believers in Rome were on the apostles' mind. He'd wanted to go to Rome so that he might have some fruit among them. According to verse 13, he says there at the end, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. The truth is that the Apostle Paul felt a responsibility to the believers in this capital city of the Roman Empire. In fact, he had felt an obligation to them. And this sense of obligation led him to firstly, in these verses, verses 13 to 15, to reveal his purpose, to reveal his purpose. He says in verse 13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purpose to come unto you. What was later the two? That I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He had oft time purposed to come under them he had sought many times to go and visit them but he had not yet been able to make that journey and so the apostle paul here wants them to understand that the reason we're not going is not because he didn't want to he didn't want them to think that his lack of a visit was because of a lack of interest but the reason he hadn't gone is not because he didn't want to go but because he'd been hindered from going there was good reasons for his delay and so he starts verse 13 by saying now I would not have you ignorant brethren the idea of not being ignorant is he didn't want them to misunderstand he didn't want them to be in the dark as to why he'd not visited them and they need to understand that this purpose of heart of his was not a sudden purpose this was not a sudden state of mind. It was not a sudden desire that has suddenly risen up in the Apostle Paul that after all these years of ministry, all of a sudden he realizes, whoops, I haven't gone to Rome. But this desire to go to Rome has been something that he's purposed to do on many occasions throughout his life and ministry. It's something he's wanted to do, but he has not been allowed to do it to this point. The idea of uh, this uh, 
oft times I purpose to come unto you, is that it was a settled resolution. It was a settled determination which had been made by the apostle Paul. He oft times purposed, oftentimes purposed. And then he says, but was let hitherto. Now the word let here is a good old English word which simply means to hinder. Now we need to understand that he'd been called as an apostle of the Gentiles more than for more than 20 years by the time he writes the book of Romans. He's been in the ministry as an apostle for 20 years. So you can understand he's not gone to the capital of the Roman Empire and he's in the 20th year of his ministry. And that's why he is so uh, he, he is stressing so fervently he, and he wants to reveal his purpose to them so purposefully here in this passage because this is 20 years into his ministry and he still has not been to Rome. He's not found time to preach in the capital of the Roman Empire. And it's no wonder that they could say, why is it that this visit of you, Paul, is taking so long? He's the apostle of the Gentiles, but he's not been to the seat of Gentile government. So he now explains his desire had not changed. He'd had a desire for a long time to come and visit them. This was not something new. And he still wants to come and visit them, but he's not been allowed to. He's been hindered to this point. Apparently, Paul had held this, this purpose throughout the years of his ministry. Despite these hindrances, he hindrances, clung to the desire, to this purpose to go to Rome, especially since he had a promise from God on this matter. Go with me to Acts 23, please. Acts 23. And verse 11. It says, in the night following, the Lord stood by him, that stood by the apostle Paul, and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also to, at Rome. So God had made a promise to the apostle Paul that one day he would indeed bear witness to Christ in Rome. And his purpose, his resolve to go to Rome had not changed. Here we find a wonderful example for us. You know, hindrances are not always an evidence that our purposes are wrong. Our purpose may be exactly according to the divine will. Only perhaps we're trying to carry it out at the wrong time. It is the will of God but not now. It is the will of God, but God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a date for that thing to come to pass. Right now, we simply have to wait upon the Lord. It is his will, but not just yet. All the hindrance may be a divine testing of our purpose. In other words, we know God's will. We desire to do God's will. We're aiming to go forth in God's will, but God puts an obstacle in us away just to test our results so that we might indeed be more determined to do the will of God. 
or maybe it's not God's will at all. And we have a purpose, but God says, no, it's not my will. For whatever the case, we need to learn patience, like the Apostle Paul had to learn patience. We need to learn patience. We need to learn to wait on the Lord. This is clearly illustrated here. Paul wanted to go to Rome for a very good reason. Look at verse 13. He says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He had a very good reason for going. In fact, he had a spiritual reason for going. He wanted to see them bear fruit, spiritual fruit. He wanted them to grow spiritually. He wanted them to be edified. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to build them up in the faith. His motive was pure. His motive was right. Yet, he wasn't allowed to go. He desired to see them edified through the preaching of the word of God. He had spiritual reasons for desiring to visit and therefore he had good reasons for wanting to visit Rome. But he is hindered for whatever reason. Reasons at this time God only knows. And so effectively what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 13 is this. He's saying, if the Lord wills, I will come to visit you. My purpose is to visit you. I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift. I want you to be built up in the faith. I want you to, uh, to bear some spiritual fruits. I want to come. But I can't. But if the Lord wills, I will visit you. You know, this is the attitude that you and I should display in all things. You and I may have a desire for something. You and I may even have a good desire. You and I might have a godly desire. But we're hindered from doing it. And it's at times like that that you and I must say, may the Lord's will be done. Not my will, but thy will you see God doesn't always give you and I the desires of our heart in fact he only gives you and I the desires that are his will that are in our heart just because I desire it doesn't mean God's going to give it to me if what I desire is the will of God for me God will give it to me but he doesn't always give us the desires of our heart look if you would, in Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37 and verse 4. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You see, here we're told that what we need to do is we need to delight in the Lord. 
And when you and I delight in the Lord, our desires become, or rather his desires become our desires, and then he will give us the desires of our heart because now they are the desires that God wants you and I to have. When you and I commit our ways to the Lord and we say, Lord, not my will but thy will be done, and trust in him, then he will bring it to pass. What to pass? His will. See, God doesn't always give you and I what we desire. He doesn't give, always give you and I what we want. What God does for us, he gives to us what is best for us, what is according to his will. And when you and I are walking in the center of God's will, our desires become in tune with his desires. And when his desires are our desires, then he will see to it that it comes to pass. We may be hindered from doing something when we are let's remember to say not my will but thine be done Paul's sense of obligation not only led him to reveal his purpose but secondly it led him to relate his indebtedness to relate his indebtedness verse 14 I am indebted both to Greeks and to barbarians both to wise and to unwise these words here, uh, this I am debtor, reveal Paul's reason or Paul's purpose for his desire to go to Rome. He wanted to go there because he is a debtor. He believed he owed them something. Now it's interesting to note, here at this time as he writes this, Paul's words were written not at the beginning of his ministry, But some 20 years on, as we said earlier, after he preached the gospel in a multitude of cities, a multitude of lands, and endured, unto and endured untold sufferings and persecutions, he had rendered, perhaps, at this time in his life, the most splendid missionary service the world had ever seen. Yet after all that, he writes these words, he says, I am debtor even to you at Rome see Paul was acutely aware that because God had saved him God had made him a debtor now don't get him wrong he's not saying he owed God a debt because that debt was paid wasn't it Jesus Christ paid that debt in full at the cross of Calvary when Jesus Christ declared it is finished, it was finished. And when you and I placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the debt was settled once for all. He is the propitiation for our sins. Not ours only, but the sins of the whole world. He satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God. And now by faith, when we believe in him, you and I are gloriously saved. The debt has been paid. The old account was settled long ago. And so he's not talking about that debt. He's not talking about a debt that he owes to God. He owes God, doesn't owe God a debt. The debt was paid. Paul was a debtor to the whole world. And while he lived, the debt was still yet not fully paid. Notice what he says here in verse 14. 
Siam data both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. He was a debtor to the whole world. Now the word debtor here means under obligation to perform a duty. He was obligated to perform this duty. He felt an obligation to perform his duty to preach the word and to edify the saints around the world, not just in Rome. Now to get the sense of what he's talking about here in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, when he talks about being indebted both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise, we need to understand that the Greeks considered everyone who was not a Greek a barbarian. So that's us, okay? Every Greek would have thought you and I as barbarians. Anybody who wasn't a Greek was a barbarian. If you weren't born a Roman, then you were a barbarian, okay? Not only that, the Greeks saw themselves as wise and everyone else as fools because they were steeped in centuries of philosophy. They were the wise crowd. You and I are the dumb crowd, okay? So when Paul mentions here the Greeks and the barbarians, he's talking about everybody. When he talks about the wise and the unwise, he's talking about everybody. And what he's simply saying to them, listen, I owe a debt to everybody, not just you at Rome. You get the impression that he's, he's thinking that maybe the Romans are getting a little bit ahead of themselves, thinking, hang on a minute, we are the wise ones, we are the ones in the capital city, and uh, he's wasted his time on bar barbarians and fools, why is he not coming to us? And Paul says, the reason I'm not coming to you is because I'm debtor to both you and them. I have an obligation to everybody. I can't be everywhere at once. It doesn't deplete or diminish his desire to go to Rome, nor does it deplete or diminish the fact that he owes Rome a debt, that the Roman Christians are debt, and even the Roman people are debt. But at this time, he has a responsibility also to barbarians and to fools. You see, this was a spiritual indebtedness. Paul considered that he owed unsaved people the gospel and that he owed the believers the words of edification. And he knew that he would not be free from this obligation until he had told as many people as possible the good news of salvation of Jesus Christ. In other words, while ever he had breath within him, his debt was never settled. He had to tell as many people as possible in his lifetime the good news of salvation. This is what drove him. This is what moved him on. The Apostle Paul said in another place, says, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Condemnation be upon me if I don't preach the gospel. This was his driving force. This was the very thing that moved the Apostle Paul forward. This is why he endured shipwrecks and stonings and beatings and imprisonments. That's why midnight, Paul and Silas sang praise unto God when they were in prison because the very thing that was moving him, the very thing that was driving him was this belief, this conviction that he had a debt to pay to mankind that while every lived, while every breathed, he had a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. Beloved, we're under a similar, similar obligation. The only reason why you and I are still here 
is to be witnesses. See, everything else we can do for Christ, we can do better in glory than tell the unsaved how to get saved. You and I can serve God better at the throne of grace, can't we? I mean, wouldn't you rather be in glory right now, sitting in heaven, worshiping at the feet of Jesus with all those saints free from sin? The problem with that is if you and I were all in glory right now, the unsaved would have no one to tell them how to get saved. And you and I have been left here. You and I are not immediately raptured the moment we get saved because you and I have been left to be witnesses for him. You and I have a debt to pay. We're under an obligation to tell us about Christ. Somebody said we likewise owe it to the whole world to give them the gospel. But many Christians don't seem particularly disturbed over this fact. But we have a personal obligation. Go back to Matthew 28, verses we all know well. But just because we know them well doesn't mean we shouldn't read them. So let's read them again, shall we? Matthew 28. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even the end of the world. Amen. We're to go into all the world and teach all nations. We have an obligation. You and I are obligated before a holy God to be his witnesses. There's a trend towards the idea that it's someone else's responsibility, such as the pastor or the church staff or even the missionary. But you know, you and I cannot hire someone to do what God has called you and I to do. You and I can't discharge our responsibility by paying the missionary to do it on our behalf. We can't merely set up a church building, set up church schedules and wait for people to come to us. We have a debt to pay. And we do that by seeking to reach the unsaved. Remember Acts 1.8? And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You and I have an obligation to be witnesses for him throughout our life. We have a debt to pay. We are under obligation. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that you and I are ambassadors for Christ and you and I have received the word of reconciliation and you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation and you and I are to go forth and in Christ's stead we're to call men and women to be reconciled unto God. That's our obligation. to be witnesses. And the very thing that drove the Apostle Paul that he was debtor ought to be the very thing that moves you and I day by day that we understand that we have an obligation that as the Lord provides opportunity you and I will proclaim the gospel. 
false sense of obligation. Nolan led him to reveal his purpose and relate his indebtedness. It led him also thirdly to report his readiness. To report his readiness, verse 15. So, here's the connective word. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. He says, understand my purpose. I want to come to you. I desire to come to you. I want to come to Rome. I, I, I wanted to do that all my ministry, but I have been hindered. And understand the reason why I want to do it is because I have a debt to pay, both to you and to and the world. I, I want the gospel to be preached. And understand my readiness to do this. As much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you at Rome also. See, it's not enough to have a missionary purpose. It's not enough to feel indebtedness to the heathen world. The Apostle Paul understood it required action. And he reported his readiness to these Romans. He was ready. The word ready here carries the idea of willingness to preach. He was willing to preach. I'm willing to come to Rome. I, I, I owe a debt to all mankind, and I owe it also to you at Rome, and I want to come. I'm willing to come. I'm ready to come. Because I just want to preach. In fact, he could do nothing else but preach. First Corinthians 9, 6, he says, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. He was ready to preach to everybody in every place, at every opportunity, under every circumstance. Give Paul an opportunity and Paul would take it. <laughs> you read in the book of Philippians, he's in prison and he's in, talking there about the fact that he's in prison and he's, he's preaching even to the prison guards. So much so that people in uh, the household of the king, uh, are sa uh, the Caesar, is getting saved. They're in Rome. It didn't take much for Paul to share the gospel. At midnight, you know, Paul and Silas, midnight, they're singing praises of God. What were they singing? They must be singing the gospel because when the prison doors are broken open by that earthquake, in jumps the prison guard and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I don't know what their preaching, singing was like, but their singing certainly was preaching because here's a man who came into conviction by the singing of the apostle Paul and Silas. I'm not sure whether they had great voices, but their testimony was something, wasn't it? It didn't take much. He's chained to a Roman guard for 12 hours a day, and it doesn't take him much to start sharing with the Roman guard, his saviour. The Roman guard only needed to give him a tiny little opportunity, and Paul was in talking to him. I mean... I wonder who was captive in that situation. Was it the Apostle Paul or the Roman guard? I mean, what a, what a great way to bring the unsaved to Christ. You chain them to Paul for 12 hours a day. 
and you can almost imagine, can you, my mind goes this way, I can almost imagine, you know, that the, that the, the uh, after a period of time, the Roman guards were actually fighting to be on duty to be with Paul, where before they probably didn't even want to see the Apostle Paul. It didn't take much. He, he understood he had an obligation, and he was ready to perform that obligation wherever he was, whatever circumstance. It didn't matter what he was doing on a ship heading towards Rome. He's in the middle of a storm, and he's talking about Christ. He gets on the island Malta, my leader, and he talks about Christ. The apostle could not be stopped, giving him an opportunity, and he was ready and willing to preach. He was not deterred by any fear, for he was under the direction of God. As far as God gave him opportunity, he was ready to proclaim the gospel. Just as he had done in Antioch and Ephesus and Athens and Corinth and other places, he was happy to go to Rome. And in the same manner, you and I need to understand that we're under obligation, therefore you and I must be ready. You and I ought to be able to say, I am ready to preach the gospel. We need to have a willingness to share God's word. You know, when the Lord gives us opportunity to share the gospel with those that are unsaved, you and I need to have a willingness to share it and be ready to do it. Somebody said this, God is ready, but we are not ready. God has prepared his feast, but we're not ready to go and invite men to the feast. You know, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And the Lord has chosen by the preaching of the cross that men will be saved. And he's chosen the foolishness of preaching to say, men, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And therefore, you and I need to have a willingness when God gives opportunity to share the gospel. Paul says here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 15, he says, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. Paul was not only aware of his obligation, but he was ready to fulfill that obligation. I wonder, are we ready? Are we ready? Notice what he says here. He says, as much as is in me. You know, that's all that God expects of any person. He doesn't expect the impossible. He only expects as much as life in you. God wants from you and I our best. You know, the songwriter said, give of your best to the master, give of the strength of your youth. That's all God requires of us. He wants us to give of our best. As much as lieth in us. The truth is we're all different personalities. Some people are flamboyant. Some people are very quiet. You know, some people in a, in a group conversation will take, the, will take charge of the conversation and will lead, the, lead the, the discussion. And some people are quite happy to stand there and listen to the conversation and almost get shocked if somebody turns to them and says, what do you think? 
because now they've got to talk, and, and that's one thing they don't really want to do. And so some people, you know, when they're out in the workforce or whatever, are going to be more demonstrative in their witness and testimony. That's true, because that's the way they are. That's their personality. You know, that's the Mike Onuses of this world. Remember Mike, you know, I mean, he'd get late for college because he stopped on the way to college to tell someone about Christ. You know, and as Prince, it was very hard to, to get mad at him for being late for college because he'd stopped to stop someone going to hell. I mean, it was, a, it was always a very difficult situation. He just, that was the way he was. Other people are very quiet, but that does not, that does not re, uh, somehow uh, negate the fact that we have an obligation that as much as is in us, as much as we have the capacity to do, whatever is within us, we are to use that to the glory of God to get the gospel out. God wants you and I to have an eagerness, have a passion for souls. And if we do that, God will use you and I as we are for his glory. He will give you and I opportunities. And as much as is in us, we then can be willing and eager to tell them about Christ. But if we don't have a passion for souls and a willingness and an eagerness to share the gospel, who will? So much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul wanted to go to Rome, the hub of the then known world. This was the seat of Caesar's power. This is where Caesar worship was, was paramount. This was the place of wickedness and sin. It was a sprawling metropolis whose population was at that time when Paul wrote this book was well over a million, perhaps even as high as four million people. It was a city filled with temples dedicated to false gods. It was a city full of wickedness. The city was a formidable challenge. Yet knowing this, Paul was still eager to go and pay his debt. As believers, we love to find excuses for not witnessing. But you and I need to follow Paul's example. And no matter the opposition, no matter the circumstance, you and I need to be willing and eager. We need to be ready to share the gospel with anyone. Isn't that what 1 Peter 3.15 says? To sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason, a reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. Every one of us are to be ready by sanctifying our hearts, be ready to give an answer to every man uh, the reason of the hope within us. As much as lieth in us, you and I need to be ready to share the gospel with those who God gives you and I opportunity to share the gospel with. And that may simply be by the way we live. 
It might be by the way we talk, by the way we act, just by the fact that we're different. And then one day they ask why we're different. And when that opportunity comes, you and I need to be ready to explain Jesus Christ to them. There's a need for souls to be reached in this valley, in our country, around the world. And it won't happen, folks, without some effort on our behalf. Without you and I sanctifying ourselves before Almighty God, having a purpose of heart, being ready to preach the gospel at any moment, and letting God open the doors of opportunity, and you and I taking those opportunities to tell people about Christ. If we are to have an impact for Christ, and like Paul, we must purpose to go forth with a sense of indebtedness and a willingness to preach when God gives the opportunity. The lost needs the gospel, and we're the ones who are chosen to share it. I trust that you and I will pray that the Lord will give us a passion for souls. And the Lord will give you and I opportunities to share our faith with the lost for the glory of God. I wonder today, do we know our obligation and are we ready to fulfill it to the glory of God? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word today. We do thank you for this challenge from the book of Romans, Father God. But Father, we understand that we have a, a purpose, Father, and that is to share the word of God with all of mankind. But Father, we need to have a eagerness a willingness to do it. And that we need to be ready always to give an answer to every man of the reason that hope was in us with meekness and fear. Lord, help us to be faithful witness for you while we have opportunity before it's too late. Challenge us by your word today, we pray. Commend it to our hearts. And may you receive the glory in Jesus' name.